and we're live welcome back to that critical podcast that critical idiot podcast my bad it's been a little bit since the last one somewhere in december i believe i took a little bit of a hiatus uh to get over cold and and schooling and stuff and i'm finally back at it again so i'm pretty pretty happy to be back into the into the seat and i wanted to put a little bit more effort into some of the stuff that i wrote and you know, I, I spent a lot of January kind of sitting around going, okay, what, what am I going to do with this? I want something to become of this, but what am I going to do? I don't have, uh, you know, I just, you know, it's, what idea can I put into this that I can run with? And, you know, I, I figured I'll stick with the, with the idea of this being a, a GM tip kind of, <clears throat> kind of tabletop podcast with, experience and stuff and some stories and whatnot from when I do my tabletop and whatnot, which will help, which will help you carry along the, the show for the 45 minutes that it is. But I want to put a little bit more into it and a little bit more throughout, throughout as we go. So stay tuned for things that may or may not come out of this. Who knows if, if I find something that, you know, might work that I want to try, Mm, I have an idea to try something and I'm going to try it next week and it's going to be called building a world where I sit through and I kind of just throughout the week I detail so once a week I'll detail and come out with the alternative the week after I'll come out with a a part of a world and kind of slowly do a world build and you know you guys can can chime in on the comment sections of wherever you're reading this or like listening to this, my bad. Holy crap. Brain is a little fried today. I've been putting a little bit, just got off work and been putting a little bit of other stuff for my tabletop tonight in place. But I figured we should get into some intro to GM because in this last little bit, I've had a little bit of time to reflect. I tried with my group, we've started a new campaign. And with this new campaign, I'm the one that's running it. I'm the GM, and we're running a new system, which is called GURPS. Well, it's not new, but it's new to us. And if anybody's played GURPS, it is one of those games where you need everything in triplicates, and you're going to need books and all the fun little stuff, and all the rules are spread out like there's no tomorrow. The organization uh, of the PDFs that we have could be... Could certainly be better, that's for sure. But, uh, which brought me to the point of, I, you know, I read through some of it, and I read through parts that I wanted and needed, but I didn't read through all of the parts. And that's, uh, it's a flaw that I have, which I'm trying to get over, because I have this whole point of, oh, I'll just wing it. And I get to the point of sitting there going, why did that vampire, or where, why did that werewolf not do that much damage and get gunned down like a dog? No pun intended on that. So, I I, I took to a to a chat site like a for Gurps uh, big old Discord chat area, and I was like, hey, you know why why are these guys not doing it? Am I reading something wrong? You know, did I do something? And a couple of people came back, and they're like, well, what about this? And you know, what about inhuman? Uh, or I believe it's inhuman tolerance. And just, like, different little things, supernatural uh, durability, things like that. And to some people listening, you're just kind of sitting there going, well, what do you mean? They're, they're essentially rules, uh, more traits than anything, which give the character or creature certain things. So, 
supernatural supernatural durability makes it so that you know you can be killed by a specific weapon and it requires you to do x amount of damage and it's a very there's a couple different parts to that one but the the inhuman tolerance i believe is what it's called but i could be very much mistaken on that the there's a lot a lot of words and stuff and i did not write this part down because i'm kind of winging this part either way the way it works is it's like they don't bleed there's no vitals so then you can't aim for the vitals to do extra damage or you know specifically do something to them and it allows for me as the dm to your gm however you would prefer uh it allows me to kind of dictate that you know oh you can't let him you can't just shoot him and let him bleed out he's he can't bleed you know there's specific ones that you can put so with that it's uh certainly very interesting but the thing that i've the thing that i've come to terms with is you need to know the rules you need to know your system what you're working with you need to at least know the basics and then know a little bit more and you know it's always a good thing to just kind of sit around and read through some of the stuff on your spare time because obviously you're going to need to know it eventually so you know knowing the rules it saves time and focus to store to story to like to the story at hand and, and, you know, as a GM, you tell a story, one that is ever-changing, and, you know, the players are taking part in that story, and they, they're they the ones that mean it, like, mean the world to your story, because your world will revolve around them. Each rule is important to them, to everything in your world, but some, you know, some systems, exactly like GURPS, they just have so many rules that you get completely overwhelmed. Uh, and so, you know, slowly working through certain things will be... Like, I need to read this many rules before this next game night. Kind of just factor in, like, hey, you know, write them down and then, you know, read through them as you're going. That's what I've been doing lately is if I've got a bunch of rules or new traits that I haven't read through yet, uh, I'll go through and I'll copy and paste them into a little Word document. And then that way, when I'm when I got some free time, I'll quickly peruse through and remember to read through them. And then it just kind of helps you out because then you know what what's there, so that you're not taking up time from your storytelling and your game to go. All right, uh, you know what does Fireball do? Even though you should know what Fireball does in most of the games that you're playing, especially if you have pyromaniac uh, players, because they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna cast Fireball and burn everything down. Uh, had a <laughs> I had a. At a campaign, a little a little adventure we did, and a way back, and they had, we had a it was a gnome, a half orc or an orc. I'm not 100 percent sure. Pretty positive it was an orc. I believe, I believe a human or an elf, one of the two. But they they went on a little bit of a town spree, saved a couple people, killed a couple people here and there but the gnome the gnome was focused on getting a 400 gold piece i think it was 400 gold piece or 4000 gold piece big bottle of whiskey like it was his his whole goal in life i need this whiskey and i need it now so he goes off and he they find it and he grabs it uh steals it from this place and they go about their day and they do a couple more slaughterings and they come back and the um they had taken over in a little a little uh, tavern. I killed the people inside of it, taken it over. I'm not sure why. Pretty positive it was because they were criminals, but it was a little bit of ways ago, and 
brain with all these campaigns are just a little little bit little bit fuzzy, but knowing that they were doing what they were doing, the gnome says, Alright, I'm gonna go up on top of the roof and just relax. And they're like, Okay, cool. Don't know why the gnome was going up on the roof, and then we realized why when he drank the entire bottle of whiskey. So knowing about the pyromaniacs that my my group was, they lit the the thing on fire. And they had to go up and try to save the gnome. But knowing the rules on fire spreading and all the climb rules was all the fun. Because we had just learned about climbing, uh, like proper use of climbing rules and stuff in, uh, in I think we were using five or Pathfinders uh, for that one. And so knowing the climbing rules was a little, a little bit more comedical because... Most of them didn't have the proper stuff to be able to climb it, or you know they just failed the rules, and it was pretty pretty hilarious. And so, knowing the rules obviously super important. Knowing the system and what system you want also very very important. Uh, there are a lot that are simpler, like Pathfinders is pretty simple, D and D is pretty simple, things like that. Usually a little less complicated. GURPS has so many more rules, and then depending on the tech level, it has even more rules. Uh, we were going to start in, in space. We ended up going back to more 1980s because there's so many extra rules for space. And the space ones, I don't think are really, in my opinion, there's a couple of rules in the space that are just absolutely not laid out properly. They are like here and there and, oh, you can get the stats for a spaceship in this book. But to actually know how to fly and do all this other stuff, you need to go into this book. And there's just so many rules that are split up from each other that it's like, okay, you know, this one and this one and that's it. And it's like, okay. So the space campaign didn't really fold out. And now we're playing a supernatural campaign. Now the supernatural campaign is very interesting. And I've got a couple, like a player who has watched the show, show Supernatural, which it's based from, but earlier time. Uh, and of course there's a lot of non-canon, uh, appearances and happenings in the world, but with this whole feel, I just wanted to give them kind of a feel of a place that they knew what was going on. And so with that, they get this feeling of, of, Hey, I know this place and you know, I can, I can work with it. So then it's carrying some of the rules from there and merging it with the rules. But you know, the first little bit, it was just us learning, and I put a lot of the effort of actually planning out the story to the side, which was a very big shame, because then you've got all these people looking forward to something, and because I didn't bother to read the rules at the time, and I was kind of letting it slack off, it kind of just went to the wayside for a bit there, and it was a little slow and dry and boring. Which brings me to kind of campaigns and story-wise. Um... So, if you if you really look at it, you want a story or a campaign. Obviously, if you're doing a long long session, if you're only doing like a couple, you know, a couple times here and there, maybe an adventure. Then there's a difference between campaign and adventure. But the campaigns are usually a long haul. Campaigns are, hey, you know, we want to spend a couple months to a couple years doing this one. You know, uh. I've heard of stories of other GMs who still have one going for, you know, they've had a world a world running for, you know, 18 plus years, which is amazing. And that's kind of something that I strive to build eventually is a world 
where you can place campaigns and further to the point where 18 years down the road, if you say have the same group, awesome. If not, you know, there's all these other groups that are there then, and they've gone through all this world and now they've become heroes and there's, you know, maybe a statue of them and stuff. And so that's kind of something that really sparks my attention is, you know, the campaigns, the long haul, something that gives the players something to do. But also, players are easily distractible. I learned this last week when I was playing. Players can be, and the week before that, and the week players can be distracted. They can be completely and utterly distracted by anything and everything. And most times, keeping them on the rail of plot is, is virtually, like, you have to occasionally teeter out of it and i mean you could be a hard ass and kind of just go no you have to follow this and or and throw stuff in the way to block them and i think that's what's going to end up happening for this evening when i do my when i do my supernatural campaign uh because you let things slide or you know oh you know i threw this hint to them or oh i threw this option to them and they kind of threw it off to the side because their characters may or may not have been interested or sparked to do it yet right so if a character sees these creatures as nothing but dirt under their feet and they just want to kill them all having that as a hey you know i know how to get to this thing that you want to kill or i know how to get to you know i know information on this demon you want to get to but you know what am i going to get out of it my players the i did that exact kind of thing and my players were just like and let's kill them and it's you know they just they it's a shift right because in their character's eyes they're like i'm not gonna sit around here and deal with this guy this is this is a crap i want this out of here i want to i want to get my job done and i want to go go sleep and i want to you know continue my day so with that kind of shift in character you gotta you gotta learn the group dynamic and then form it around well sometimes things can get a little off the track as i said so when it gets off the track you just gotta bring it back maybe bring a little couple things in here and there you know maybe something that uh, sparks their attention a hook is always good hook is like the best thing to do in the beginning is you bring somebody you bring them in by going you know classic hooks are you go to a town and uh, there's a little girl, like in for medieval ones, there's a little girl and, you know, she's like, oh, my daddy's been taken or something. And, you know, it hooks them because there's a child and the child's in danger or she's, you know, upset because her, her father or her mother has gone away and, you know, they taken from her. And so you kind of feed off of that, that little empathy that your characters may or may not have. When your characters don't have em empathy, well... That's that's a good question, especially when I've dealt with that every now and then with even my group currently. Uh, empathy is something that they'll give to you if they deem it necessary. So, you know, maybe they're just not into the whole, oh, you know, my, this little girl's dad has been taken by orcs. They're like, well, that's not our problem. Count Guard will deal with that. So you got to make it their problem. Bring bring the story in without just handing them information. Bring it in enough to intrigue them so that they will ask questions. Ask those things, push forward, you know, interrogate demons or, you know, interrogate people to figure out, you know, wh where the hell is this where the hell is this little girl's father? Who took it? Who took him? Where is he? How are we going to get him back? And you know, what's going to happen to him and all these people if 
you know, one guy can get kidnapped by orcs. What about everybody else? What are we going to do? Do we kill the orcs? Do we deal with this? Things like that, you know? It keeps people hooked. And I have this very, 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 very horrible thing where I make a lot of NPCs gullible or easy to interact with the uh, characters. And it ruins some of the group dynamic empathy because either I'm really too easy or I'm really too... um, I wouldn't say hard because I'm not that hard on my players when I do this kind of stuff. It's more, it's, it's more way too easy. You know, it's like they roll one good roll and it's like, yeah, you're good. And the reason I do it is mainly to speed the time up because we only do once a week and we only do it for a couple hours, but the keeping them hooked, you know, you got to give them a little bit of resistance, but not too much because if you give them too much, they kind of go, well, what's the point, you know? But you gotta keep them. You gotta keep them the ones that are, the ones that are the main line. They are head and front and center. You need to have everybody known that they are the front and center. Right now, I've got four players. Two of them are the front and center, and two of them feel like you know we're expendable. And I plan to make those two not expendable in the future uh, games that we play, like nights that we play, but. At the current moment, they do have that tendency to feel like, hey, we understand we're expendable. You know, it sucks, but we'll tough it through. And with that, it's, it is. It's, uh, it's hard to keep people from going from one, you know, from being the front line and center and, hey, you know, I'm the hero to, hey, we're the heroes because certain things are driven by certain motivation. Currently, they're driven by the motivation of a demon that killed one of the character's entire church. He was a pastor, and his whole entire church was murdered during service, and he had one of his eyes removed by this demon. And so now he comes to the group and he says, hey, you know, I need your help, you monster hunters. I need you guys to help me. I have trained with the mon- the organization that we ha- that you guys are a part of, and I need your help to go find this demon. In which they kind of say, "Okay, cool. Now we know. Now we have this guy. He has given us a purpose, a reason to continue doing what we do. We need to find this demon." Throughout that, we are going to do missions, missions of Let's go kill these vampires that we see. Maybe this will lead us something closer. These are these werewolves here. Maybe they have a reason for this. So I started the whole point and I've hooked them in a little bit more. And now it's going to get a little deeper and then it goes deeper. And I'm going to keep them hooked and I'm going to keep them trapped inside this world until I kind of deem it so, right? The campaign has to end eventually, and there is a campaign end, obviously, because planning the campaign from front to end is always the best idea. I, you know, my opinion is on, on all that is writing down general basic stuff. Don't go into dialogue that you expect your characters to interact with, you know? If you've got a big monologue that you want one of the main villains or maybe one of the main protagonists that's, you know, on the sidelines, then yeah, write that and kind of have it where there's a scene where they're not going to do anything rash or out of place where they're going to screw up this thing that you've written. But don't write everything to a T. Don't expect things, expect the unexpected, don't expect them to go, 
oh, you know, these guys right here, they're totally running away and we're going to let them. Or, like way back when, I was running a campaign in Pathfinders and I killed off a general. He had died heroically fighting a dragon and I was going to let him die off and I was going to strand them in this area where they had to go off and fight this, um, this big beast. I believe it was a demon of some sort. And they go and they deal, they start fighting it. And my one buddy goes, well, I'm a healer. He goes, that guy's not going to die. I cast the spell. It brings him back to life. And it's like, well, <laughs> I did not expect that. And it is. Expect the unexpected. If they have something, make sure you know everything that they have. First and foremost, as a GM, you have the right to know everything and anything that your character, your characters have. Because that's part of the story. You got to make sure that your story coincides with their dynamics. How they work together, who they are, what they are, what can they bring to the table, what skills do they have, everything. You need to know all of that because your story will depend on it. Because if something you don't expect happens, that leaves you at that kind of, uh, uh, I think this goes here. Uh, uh, wait, one, uh, how do I do this? It brings you to that point of, I'm not sure what the hell I'm doing. Especially when you write everything. I did that once and it was a very bad time. I wrote all this stuff down and the second they got in, they went right off the path. And it was like, God dang it. Like, why is this a thing? No, why are you doing no? Go back to this. And then you're kind of trying to beg and plead them. And it's not, it's not how you want to run it. You want to run it where, or at least in my opinion, this is how I found it. What you want to do is you want to plan your campaign, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Obviously, just like a story, you know, you want to have the you want to have the plot, the protagonist, the antagonist, the conflict, the resolution. You want to have all the build up in between all of that. You know, you want to have that striking conflict where they know who the enemy is. Maybe they have a couple, you know, interactions with the main boss, but they they don't get the chance to kill him. You know, um, they see him, they don't get to kill him. But they know he's there and they know his presence is is not good for that world. Therefore, they need to deal with it. And with that, it kind of brings you with a whole part of... You got to make sure that it's all set and synchronized. But you don't want to have it set to the point where if they do something that you didn't plan for, it's a backfire on you. So, always kind of plan more broad. Kind of say, this is what can happen. This is also in the background. You know, this could be there types of things just go with my notes actually what I just did was it wasn't like a this would do this this would do this I kind of just at the time think all right this is a vampire or a werewolf uh this werewolf would run over here and maybe he'll you know they're more physical aggression they're gonna go run up and slash him right uh, whereas the vampires, they're more cunning, a little stealthier, so maybe he runs off, he kind of gets out of sight, and he tries to stealth up on them and, and kill them from behind. Uh, same with pretty much anything. You know, you you can go in, you can plan it all, but there's all the other different f sets, all the different types of people, all the different traits and everything running around throughout the world. So, with everything, you kind of set it at a more broad. So you got the fights... You got everything set up. With mine, it's it's like I start writing out a little bit of a dialogue to what I want, you know, a villain to say. Or, you know, I want them to make note of this at some point in their conversation. 
you know, I want this deputy or this sheriff to be this way. I want this guy to be, you know, completely, you know, I want this sheriff to be a complete asshole or, you know, be rude to my players. Why? Because why not? You know, you give them a little bit of a, a hard time sometimes and it, it pushes a couple of buttons and it kind of puts them in that state of, of, uh, of intrigue. I like to see how my character, like my player characters run on certain things. If they run on, if you're sitting at, um, ooh, what else would I say there for, a, if you're sitting at like a, a bar, bartender kind of gives them a hard time. Next bartender comes in, they go to ask him what they want. Maybe they have a prejudice against it because the bartender's giving them a hard time. I've got that with one of my characters now. I've built it up over time. Every now and then, bartender kind of gives him a hard time. Guy goes and he's like, hey, you know, I'd like a, you know, a b bottle of wine. Guy goes, awesome, that'll be 500 gold. And the guy goes, are you kidding me? I, you know, I could buy, buy it from a, another store, you know, another tavern or something for 10 gold. And guy goes, our store price, 500 gold, take it or leave it. And so then it kind of, he kind of is like, you know, great. He just, you know, he, he just screwed me over for a bottle of wine. And then he goes to the next tavern. Tavern goes, ah, 50 bucks, like 50 gold. Why not? Guy goes, that's still a lot. He's like, ah, that's what we got. We got good stuff and that's it. And then he gets the bottle and it's not good stuff. And he's like, ah, he screwed me over again. And then he goes to another one, and they're like, uh, five gold. And he goes, ah, okay, whatever, you know, it's going to be crap. And then give him something good. Kind of brings that. Who Who's going to be good, who's not going to be good? It keeps them on their toes. At least that's what I like to do and think that it does. It's it's a fun little, little thing. But having, like, I like the whole trial by fire type thing. You know, if you're going to have a hero, and you want heroes, they should show in the campaign that they're playing. They shouldn't start as a hero. You know, a monster hunter is great, but how good of a monster hunter is he? You know, I want to see him in action. I want to see him survive, you know, a ridiculous epidemic of monsters, or I want to see him survive an attack from hell, or all this other random stuff. You know, if demons start purging the world, is he going to stand up? Is he going to, you know... Is he going to tuck his tail behind his legs and run the other way? What is he going to do? And that that right there is what I think is, is a very good way of doing it. Is setting your campaign up as a trial by fire. Setting it up as this is going to suck. But if you suck it up and you make it through, you are worthy of the name of hero. You are worthy to be a hero because you have put effortless amount of time into pushing through this crap, this, you know, demonic purge or this orc war or whatever you want to do. And you bring it all into one kind of big old pile of campaign. And at the end of it, they're, they're crowned, you know, oh, you saved this world. Thank you so very much. And that's it. You know, they're a hero. They're good. They've done good in the world and they can feel accomplished. And that's another thing is rewarding the players with accomplishment in your campaign when they have accomplished something giving them the feeling and the satisfactory feeling of i've done something that has significantly changed the world and that was or whatever their goal is you know if your goal if your character's goal is you know i want to liberate this city from orcs 
then, you know, they go in, they start, you know, helping out. They help work their way up the ropes. They start getting a little bit more. The military goes, hey, you know, there's this this big push of, of orcs. We need your help. They go, they help it, they clear it, and then, the you know, they get no, they get medals or something from the city. You know, you've helped us win this war. If they've deserved it, and, like, if they earn it, then they deserve it. And that's something, you give dues where dues are, are, are needed to be given. You say, hey, you know, you did a good job. You fought off the orcs, and you helped save this town. They will forever be in your debt. But you don't give them too much debt, because they didn't earn you know, ever living servants. They didn't earn, they just earned, you know, a pat on the back. Thank you so very much. You know, maybe a couple free nights in the inn and then, you know, on your way. That's at least what I, what I see it as. The thing that I, I like is that rules for most games are, are kind of a, a baseline for most games. Rules can be altered and tinkered and actually in GURBS magic the magic section actually says, this is just a basic set. You know, this is what we think magic could be. If you have another idea or maybe a campaign might need a whole re overhaul, redo of this said work, then, you know, totally fine with us. If you want to, you know, redo it here, you do this, tweak this. And that's something that I, that I think systems and rules really come into play is that once you learn the rules and you know the system and you've worked it all out you're sitting there and you're going okay i've done this i've done this we've we've played this we really don't like how shooting is or hmm, you know i don't really like how the throwing in this game is done i want to say you know this guy has 20 strength he should be able to throw this you know i feel like if this guy has a ridiculously high skill why can't he do this? And then you talk it over with the group because obviously you want them to be able to know, you know, like if it's if it's if it's you as a GM, most of the time your rules are your rules, but you want to let them know, you know, hey, just to let you know, when you're reading the book about this, discredit this part. This is actually what I'm going to do. That way they kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, that sounds a lot more easy. When it's a player character who comes up to you and says, hey, you know. I'm not really liking how this works out. I feel like I could really, it would really benefit the speed of the game and the enjoyability of the game if my character was able to, with such a high skill, just do this instead. You know, like, why would I have to worry about, you know, whatever it is? And, you know, stuff like that, you can go, yeah, you know, let's talk it over with the group. Does the group think that that's an A-OK -okay thing? Yes? Perfect. You know, move on to the next thing. And that's one of the big main things that I see as a, as a tabletop is there's all these things and people sometimes, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are against homebrew rules or, you know, house rules and stuff. Like when I see a, uh, like a, a critical hit, we have a house rule for pathfinders, you know, you can, there's specific things. Uh, I know one of the house rules for, for critical hits, I believe, or critical misses, fails, is, yeah, for us, for Pathfinders and D&D, critical fails will provoke an attack of opportunity. Now, I don't know if this is, I don't remember if this is an actual rule, but I'm pretty positive it doesn't. Usually, it's just, there's nothing. But to us, we figure, if you've critically failed, in, like a one, if you've rolled a one, which is the lowest on the scale, that means you've 
absolutely botched it. So you're swinging a sword and somehow you swing behind you. I see absolutely no reason why the enemy that you're swinging at would not stab you. I feel like the second you swing behind you as a crit fail, they're going to stab you right in the gut because it's right exposed. Like, things like that. You sit down, you start playing the game, you start understanding the rules, and then you kind of go, you know, what if we did this? What if this was instead this? You know, how about on crit fails, they get to attack you? And unfortunately... That could be very good for the GM and very bad for the for the players. Because the players might crit fail a lot sometimes. And then it could be a very, um, you know, quick, quick game when everybody dies and has to re-roll. Um, but just the way, the way tabletops come, the main parts of it are learn your system, learn your rules to the system, and what rules pertain to your area. You know, if you have no magic in your world, there's no point in reading the rules, on, like memorizing every rule on magic right then and there, because you're not going to use it for at least a couple of months, depending on how long your campaigns or stories go. Whereas, you know, maybe guns are very popular in your campaign. Read up on the guns, read up on how they work, how shooting works, how does reloading work, how does aiming work, does it give a bonus, what happens? And with GURPS, there's a lot of rules, and that's the, the, the struggle that I'm facing with now. Is, is There's so many rules that sitting down and reading all of them, and everything applies to almost everything. So you got to learn a little bit more about how things work. But situating it, I mean, once again, there's no, no technical magic in this supernatural world. Therefore, or at least yet. I plan to integrate it, but not yet. So... You put that kind of full force on it. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to learn magic yet. And things like things like I could go for a Psy Power and go, hey, you know, I want to put demons to have um, the... Oh, I forget what it's called now. The ability... I want to have the demons have the ability to throw people into the wall or, you know, move objects. I believe that's telekinetics. Now... With that, I could go to the Psy Powers and I could learn how to do it. And I could give them the fatigue point to health ratio or whatever you want to do for magic in that game. Because it taps on either your fatigue points or your health. Which makes it a little bit more of a critical to use powers. But I don't want demons to be constricted by that because that's not how the show is. The show isn't that they have magical abilities and then it taps on their spe specific strategical vitals of health or you know, fatigue points. No, they just have the powers. So then it's like, okay, I'm going to take, you know, their fright check plus, or I'm going to take their intelligence maybe. You know, how many more intelligence over, over or whatever, add that to 10, and there we go. You know, if you find, you take a base, I find it's easy if you take a base of 10 and either you negative, like you subtract or you add. Whichever one it works for you. For GURPS, it's the lower the number, the harder it is to roll. Because you got to roll under the number that you have for your skill. So the higher your skill, the easier it is to roll. And vice versa on some of the rolls. So then for damage, the higher you roll, the better. The lower you roll, obviously, the you know, you're going to do less damage. So then it's like, alright, I want telekinesis. 
and I want them to be able to control people. So I'm going to make him roll a telekinesis roll of, say, 12. He has to roll under 12. You know, it puts a little bit of a challenge. You know, he can he can roll two... Well, he can only roll one six, a five, and a one, and that would max it. And I believe he wouldn't get it because it has to be under the number, not at the number. So... 12 like under 12 he'd have to roll an 11 so it'd be the highest he could roll is a six a four and a a one would be the really technical closest would be make 11 so with all of that you know he rolls cool he's done the telekinesis that's not fair for him to just be able to do that to the human without them having a chance to fight back so then it's like okay roll your will roll your willpower to preserve like, to stand your ground against this demon. He's going to try to throw you into this wall, or he's going to try to shove this desk into you, and I want you to roll will to make sure that you don't have that happen to you. And so they, they roll the will, and lo and behold, maybe they fail. And, well, you're going to get thrown against the wall. You're stuck there, and, you know, for story purpose, you're stuck there. If it was combat, next turn, roll will, try to see if he can break free. Type, types of things like that. You know, he's got to make rolls to keep sustained. He's got to make rolls to, to do that. So the demon's still having to work on his way of dealing with it. But he can also do other things. You know, there's one less person shooting at him. It just makes things a little bit easier for him, right? So... That's how I see things, you know, if you if you want to slap in a rule without having to get too complicated in other rules, I see it as kind of a find the base number in the game, add or subtract from it, and go from there. You know, sit down, think about it. A friend of mine was the one that actually kind of brought that idea in with the whole tele, uh, telekinetic. You know, just give him a base number and then make us roll will. And it's like, okay, that works. Things like that really do help mesh how the systems and rules work. It meshes how the gameplay works for you and your players. And it just makes a more enjoyable evening of fun tabletop rolling and, you know, just anything and everything to do with do with it. It just makes it a lot more fun if you know the rules, you know the system, and you just know how to keep everything on the go. So... That pretty much wraps up what I had to talk about. I know it's very all over the place, and it, for me, this is kind of like a place where I can, I can come, I can you know talk about some tabletop stuff, share a couple stories from from what I've what I've done already as a GM, um, even as a player sometimes, and just kind of go go over a couple things that I see in my day to day doing gming and stuff things that I miss or overlook. You know, there's other people in the world that I could imagine are overlooking this or not knowing what's going on. And so I do kind of want to go over a couple things and like review things and whatnot uh, later on, but that's going to be a little bit later on. I do plan to do every other week a kind of a world build. So kind of like building world kind of, it would be the series name, I believe is what I planned on building, building a world. Um, and this kind of podcast would be, I don't know if it would be 45 minutes. I'd like to say it'd be 45 minutes, but I can't guarantee that it'll be exactly 45 minutes because with how things are, you know, but I'm 
working on another campaign that I want to perfect. And I feel like adding this kind of audio source will allow a little bit more lore and background to be created. So if I start writing more lore down and, and then I produce it through this podcast um, as an outlet, there's more lore and background that I can recall then and kind of just take audio clips and go here, you know, to my players. This is the story that I, that I portrayed on the podcast. This is what, you know, this is where you are right now. And this is what, what it's like. And so that way they can, they can hear it. They can see it. And it allows, it allows for me to connect to anybody who's, who is listening. Um, you guys can help chime in and build, build the world with me kind of thing. You know, you can say, Hey, you know, uh, what if these guys did this? Or what if this town was under siege by this town? You know, there's some conflict and rift. It's been here for four years type thing. Uh, and I, I'm totally up for that because uh, something that allows uh, me and anybody listening to kind of connect and communicate is the best would be amazing. That and just building a world with someone is just that kind of thing of, hey, you know, this is really cool. And then, of course, afterwards, once we get it all built and and designed all nice and pretty to our design and liking then when i do run it i will obviously have some recaps and stuff to do so that will further a new kind of recap type episode whatnot and furthering on i will also do more intro to gming type thing you know other tips and tricks and then maybe i might even do the intros to specific rule sets you know the basic stuff and then maybe do another one later on of this is the more advanced stuff so expect a building a world at least once a month an intro to gming at least once to once a month and then if anything it might start off with intro to gming build a world intro to gming build a world and kind of working its way up to all these other things so then you know, maybe the next month it's intro to GMing, build a world, intro to 5e, and, you know, something else. So, slowly filling the void of repetitive stuff per month, and then having each week something new and something there. So, I think that's about all I have to say today. It's been it's been an enjoyable 45 minutes. If you guys haven't checked out the Twitter uh, go check it out. Not a lot there at the current moment. The Facebook page, uh, also not a whole heck of a lot. I'm slowly getting everything back after the hiatus, getting everything back up and running. Um, but definitely, if you guys have any kind of uh, tips or tricks or maybe even stories of your own, send them to the uh, the Facebook page and the Twitter, and I will designate it to wherever I find to put an outlet. Uh, same with the Tumblr. The Tumblr, I'm going to slowly start working on a uh, daily mission uh, type thing. So once per day, I'll put a mission out. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to start that tomorrow or if I'm going to start it, uh, in a week's time or what, but I'm kind of slowly getting all the eggs together and getting them all in the basket. So essentially just send anything you want to either the Twitter or the Facebook or the Tumblr, send it to, uh, comments on YouTube if you're watch, watching this on YouTube, if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to listen to this someplace else, you know, maybe you're on the go. There's uh, it's on, this is on Google play. This is on iTunes. Um, 
This is also on Spreaker if you use that. So those are the three main places that it's on. It's also on SoundCloud, so four, I guess. And then you've got the other places, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, all the fun stuffs. Uh, more of the social medias. But if you are listening to this on a YouTube channel, you can also check out those four places to kind of just get the audio file. I know that uh, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, I think Spreaker, and Google Play, all of them do allow you to go in and download it so you don't have to be wasting data or Wi-Fi like or just you know you can have it on on the go for you whenever you want and so yeah if you guys enjoyed enjoyed this let me know i'm just gonna keep going with it no matter what but you know i just want to i want your input no matter what because i want to make this podcast better and more wonderful for everyone to enjoy and your guys's input will make the most of it so thank you guys so very much and have a wonderful day